We're good. We are back. The resurrection of the Men for Life podcast. Some people thought it would never happen, but me and Pete were faithful to the Lord, and we knew that the Men for Life podcast would be back. And we're back, we baby. <laughs> we are back. <laughs> One year hiatus. We 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 contemplated our lives. Now we're back. We're ready to go, and we are. We have like multiple guests here today. Um, so we have Monica Pascos from LaSalle University. Monica, welcome. Thank you. And we've got, well, we have two uh, DeMaio children, but only one wants to be on uh, the podcast today. So be Pete DeMaio, welcome. Thank you for having me. Awesome. But before we get going. And welcome to our audience. Yeah, and our audience too, who, will r- who shall remain <laughs> nameless. But as we normally do today, the, the topic, we're going we're gonna to focus a little bit on um, the connection between the Eucharist and the pro-life movement. That's going to be the main theme, and then we'll go into some other topics from there. But before we do that, we always need to start in prayer. And Pete is our prayer expert. So, Pete, would you uh, would you begin us in prayer, please, sir? Absolutely. Yeah, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be together. Thank you for bringing Andrew home from Europe. Uh, safely and allowing us to reconnect. Thank you for these outstanding um, and incredible uh, young people that we have with us. Please continue to <coughs> to draw us closer to you, and especially through the Eucharist and this Eucharistic revival we have in the church right now. And um, please help to set us all on fire so that we can bring more to you. Uh, we ask this in your son, Jesus' name, Amen. As we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, um, you put me on the spot. I haven't had to pray for us in a long time. That's great. Well, I don't, I mean, it's important. We always start the show with a prayer. So, um, I'd love to, you know, Monica, the, the topic was your idea. So I'd love to know, like, you were inspired to bring this up as a topic. So maybe you could give us a little bit of background or at least maybe a little bit of background about yourself and then also why you think, th- what you think the connection between the Eucharist and the pro-life movement is, at least as you see it. So here's the microphone. So I am the youngest of six. Um I was raised Catholic and had a really great childhood. Being the youngest, everyone just loves you because they just keeps you keeps them you keeps them young. Um, and I really started getting into my faith as an individual when I was diagnosed with Graves' disease, and that's a thyroid disease. Um, and it was a journey of suffering that really brought me closer to Jesus, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, It was in the moments where I had to really fight for my faith as a pro-life Catholic and as um, a woman trying to, um, like, stabilize her hormones and stabilize her thyroid, um, who needed really a lot of healing in order to be able to heal other people who were broken um, in the pro-choice movement. And I say pro-choice as a broad term because a lot of people think that they're pro-life and they're actually not. 
because being pro-life is experiencing freedom um freedom to choose the cross when it's hard and Hmm. really (laughs) it's like it's it's easy to say that we're pro-life but you actually have to be pro-choice you actually have to choose to want to give up your life so that another can live right um John fifteen thirteen. Thank you, Monica. <laughs> yeah, but then in like John ten ten, I think it's like the thief only comes to steal and destroy, but I've come so that they may have life and have it more abundantly. But are we really living abundantly? And I know that I wasn't. And I said that I was Catholic, and I said that I was pro life. But this was in my um, junior year of high school when I got diagnosed. I was this very type A perfectionist, scrupulous girl, this teenager. Um, and it wasn't until I was open to d- the divine physician healing me, not Monica Pasco's healing me, that I was able to experience freedom in its fullness. Um, and it was the moments when I had to struggle to keep the pro-life movement alive in my high school um, that I became so much more abundant in like wanting to suffer, like. I love this. Like, bring it on. Like, I don't care. I mean, I care, but it's like, it's because of the crosses in our life that we really encounter Christ. And those were the moments when my friends would um, maybe not understand what I was doing, uh, when my family didn't understand um, why I would do certain things, that I really had to stand on my own and really take into my own hands why this was important to me. Um, And I really had to stand up for life. Anyone can be pro-life, but not everyone can stand up for life. Um, And it was the moments when I didn't know if my friends would support me, if my family would understand that I knew that I had um, Christ with me and the Blessed Mother with me. And that that was good. Like, I knew that I would be okay. So flash forward from junior year of high school to, I guess, first year of college, living at LaSalle um, on my own completely, basically. I mean, I'd come home quite often. I love my family. I love being home. I love just, like, housemaking. Um, But my freshman year was really tough because... I was still in this zone of performance to earn love. I was still in this zone of um, my mission is defined, is defining my identity and not my relationship with Christ is defining my identity. And that's really important. Where our identity comes from results in, like you will see the fruit of where your identity comes from and it will be good fruit or bad fruit depending on where that comes from. And if we root our identity in our, in our mission, it's just, it's not that it's bad, it's just incomplete. And it's going to leave us to be burnt out and obviously not alive, right? Like, we're talking about life here. Yeah. Um, and I was not living a pro-life attitude, even though I said that I was pro-life. I was burning myself out. 
pretty easily, pretty quickly. And that's actually so, so funny that I'm thinking about this because I ran into Mr. DeMaio at confession, like a couple months into college. And I was like explaining this to you. And I was like, yeah, I'm just really like not in balance. And I was like, just like trying to learn how to overcome this. Like basically I was just chained down by fear. I was just running on that cycle. And a lot of people do. Um, I remember that (laughs) we were there as a family at St. Pius and here comes Monica and your brother. You remember your brother was with you? Yeah. Yeah. You came walking in and when you shared that with me, it really, it like, it, it pained me inside because I didn't, you, I thought were one of our just most amazing student leaders (laughs) your senior year at high school when I got to meet you and get to know you. And then to watch you going through that struggle, that suffering, I felt so bad because I'm, I'm watching this young woman who's so vibrant with life and like you just said you weren't living it happy and abundantly the way that god wants you to and you know and a lot of it is self-inflicted because you were such a perfectionist that you were trying to make sure that you were figuring it out and fixing it so yeah i was i prayed for you i was hoping that you would yeah and i was sorry that you were struggling that way and i totally understand i've been down that road before so yeah so what happened what had it was there was there like um um an, a moment or in an, some sort of encounter that caused the the shift or did it did it happen slowly over freshman year? Um, I had the really the powerful experiences in my life always happen in adoration, um, and that's always the best, um, and that's why the Eucharist is so important to life. And I'm really convicted of this now, but my end of my freshman semester was really rough. I just, like, came home and just had this huge crash. But I was invited to go on this conference to SEEK, which is run by Focus. Mm. And there was, like, 17,000 people, 17,000 college students, like, striving for holiness and heaven. And it was such a testimony because I felt so alone on my campus and um, I just had this really powerful experience um, in adoration after like talks. Um, I think it was a sister of life who gave a talk on like um, just like the value of the person and it's like um, your the value of like what you do is doesn't define you but like the value of who you are defines you and she was just saying like as women, we try to um, perform and like become perfect, and like there's no perfect. Like you can't even be enough because like that's just like unchaseable in the world. Like you can't even reach it, but you can with Christ. And I just remember being in adoration and just being like so seen and just so loved and so known. And I, it was just like through slowly allowing him to heal me more that I was able to experience this love more fully and it was just through like the slow process of surrender Mm. of just letting him try to put back the pieces because I couldn't do it on my own of letting him like redesign what he's created and he's really healed me like physically and spiritually and it's through the, just the daily adoration, just being in his presence, um, 
but definitely there was a lot of grace during that conference where I was able to surrender easily. Um, and there's still moments where it's hard, but every day we need to be in adoration. I'm studying nutrition, but I will tell anyone that the number one source of nourishment is the Eucharist. And you can't live without it. You're, you are dead. I think it's, um, I don't know exactly what it's in the Bible, but it's like, um, only those who eat my body and eat my flesh will live. And it's true, like, we need to eat him in order to live, which sounds, like, crazy and absurd, but it's true. And the more that I spend in his nourishment, the less I need my own nourishment. And it's just great. Like, my body is, like, so healed from the um, anxiety and the exaggerated fear that I put on myself. Um, And the devil can't create anything. He just twists things. So this desire to actually, like, do something good and like perform was a good desire, but it was so exaggerated and it was so distorted that it was um, it was out of control, it was out of balance. Um, but he has really healed me and I'm so grateful. I don't have, I mean, I still need to like, cl- I guess you could say clarify this, but my thyroid has never been more healed and my body has never been able to function so well. But it was through a lot of um, just daily work. It's This is the work that we have to do. The work is letting him transform us and being able to prioritize him and letting him do the work is, um, I guess, the greatest cross and greatest blessing. Because it's like, yeah, okay, I can't do anything. I need a savior, but also at the same time, what do we, what do, we do now? Like. Monica, this is beautiful. (laughs) I'm telling you, Um, I'm loving it. And I'm loving listening to you describe it. uh, Because first off, I didn't even know that you had that going on. I didn't know that you had a diagnosis of Graves disease. I just met this bubbly young person. And I'm like, Oh, she's awesome. (laughs) So uh, I had no clue. But to hear you describe that, you hit on several things just now. And I think one of them that really stuck out to me is there's times where I've fasted and I know exactly what you're describing where you don't have anything in your system. You're getting by on bread and water all day, just like when our blessed mother appeared in Fatima and asked us, you know, to just eat bread and water on Fridays and then add Wednesdays and Mondays if we could. And I've done that before when you receive the Eucharist that following morning, when you go to mass, it's like you could go through the whole next day and not eat again because you have everything you need. And it just reminds me of Dr. Scott Hahn. Petey, you probably remember the CD of Dr. Scott Hahn explaining the garden in Genesis. And it's <clears throat> God says to them, if you eat of the fruit, then you shall surely die. But they didn't die. So does that mean that God is a liar? Hold on. And then God then goes on to describe what actually happened there. And he's talking about our physical bodies or our or our spiritual bodies. And we put so much emphasis on our physical bodies when the spiritual is infinitely more important. So, yeah, here, go ahead. <laughs> um, can I go? Because I was going to answer because I have a lot. Um, it's going to be hard to follow that up. But I'm going I'm to try my best. Um, now, the big thing, because I want to add on a couple of things that you were saying that like, you had made me think, but um. 
the big thing that I was thinking with the question you're asking, like with the Eucharist and being pro-life, they have to go hand in hand. They can't not go together. And the reason for that is because of what you were just saying. There is no spiritual life without the Eucharist. It's a requirement. It has to be in us in order to have, in order to be living, basically. It's almost like it's a, your spirit has no direction without it. And I think that a lot of pro-lifers, especially ones who aren't Catholic, are they're doing the right thing, but they're almost like kind of stumbling or crawling down the path. They're not walking or running. And if they had the Eucharist, that would give them the extra like push, like you know, like the wind in their sails to like kind of take off and do what they really want to do, what they desire to do. And um, but that's you made me think of it when you said the, uh, your mission and your identity. It's not about well, now that I have the Eucharist, I can, I have that feeling, you know what I mean? And that's not what we're supposed to be chasing at all. It's not the feeling. It's, I love you. You love me. This is the closest I can get to you right now is this little wafer or this, or the monstrance or this chalice. So since I love you that much and you, I know you love me that much, that's, that's what I'm going to do. That's the only way that I can have a relationship with you is doing things that involve this process. So I think, cause I, I, the whole pro-life thing i i've been pro-life my entire life obviously because of you you know what i mean and i've been catholic i mean it's not just because of you but that was a big without you i don't know how extreme it would be you know you know an upbringing but um yeah a big reason why i'm pro-life is because of you and why i'm so catholic is also because of you and now i'm at the point where i need to make my own decisions obviously but they've we've had this conversation they've already been made they're not going to change at all but um what I was going to say was the big like turning point, I think in my like spiritual and pro-life life, I guess, you know, is, yeah. Journey is, um, when you told me the story about what you and mommy did, you know what I mean? It was, you know, that with your life story of how, of what you guys did. And that was kind of the, you know, the big, the, it, I mean, it didn't feel good to hear at all. You know what I mean? Like no one wants to hear that, you know, their parents, you know, had two kids before you and now they're no longer here you know what i mean no 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 one wants to hear that and it's and it hurts but without it i don't think that big step would have been taken and i don't think our family would be our family so but like what i wanted to say because of it is what you were just saying about your identity and your mission that kind of took because at the time it was covid so i just wrote about this in my paper actually because i had to talk about um uh, artificial intelligence and education and one of the points I used was about um, when we had to go online for school and um, I put like personally that it's kind of hard because school high school definitely that like period in your life is where you do a lot of growing to figure out who you are what you're doing you know what matters most what matters least and who you're going to be when you go to college so having to spend one of those years and kind of two like my the first two where you know I'm like younger and more awkward and you know don't really know what's going on having to spend them inside on a computer all day didn't help me at all so hearing that from you and from her it was like trying to take one step forward but I actually took three steps back you know so then having to re-go like regrow my relationship with God now because I wish I could say I wasn't angry or upset about it but I was and I I blamed you I blamed mommy I blamed god you know what i mean i blamed whoever that was in the story you know what i mean because nobody could could have done anything you know what i mean to change it and you know after it's oh, that was the other thing i want to say adoration getting to spend time in there 
and I know it's wrong now, but at the time it seemed like the right thing, kind of question what God was doing and why he did it and getting to ask those questions in both an angry way and like an upset way and in a happy way of why this happened. And then getting the answer finally made, made me go from wondering who I was to following in this direction because I genuinely wanted to, not because I had to sit in church on Sunday. You know what I mean? And, um, that was a big, that was a big deal. And the final thing that I wanted to just bring up, well, actually, sorry, I'll, I'll talk about adoration. And I'll talk about that because it's still to this day. Well, until about, did you go on Kairos at all? Yeah. You did? Okay. So I, I, I know you don't know what it is and I know you, I don't know if Len or not, but like you're selling to it. But, um, basically the whole, if you, if you haven't gone yet and you're listening to this, maybe either get off now and fast forward a little bit or just, uh, listen, but I won't, I'll try to do my best not to spoil anything. But, um, the whole point of the retreat basically is to figure out how much God loves you mm. and really understand it. Cause, and you don't realize how much you understand it until you go kind of. And one of the big thing, one of the big like places during the retreat where I figured it, figured it out was that adoration. And I got to, because I, my high school was a, the whole experience was kind of a disaster. It was great, but at the same time it stunk. I went to three different high schools, uh, which most people don't do. I, um, one of them was online. So that was great. The other one was with like masks on. So like that, you know, it wasn't normal either. And like half the week was like online, like hybrid or whatever. Uh, and then transferred and transferred again. So I kind of got to, and I did Kairos right at the end of the year. It was like Cairo, it was like prom, Kairos, graduation, done. So I kind of got to like finish my year off on that high note and um, the Kai high as they would call it. And um, it was good because I got, I got to look back on everything, even that story from, uh, you know, all the way back from freshman year and look at my whole high school experience. And I kind of finally got like closure, I felt like on, everything that had happened and will happen in the future. Cause I still, I mean, right now being in college, you know, first semester and playing baseball and all this stuff, it's like, I genuinely still wondered like what's going to happen. Like, is, am I, am I doing the right thing right now? Because there are a billion other things I could be doing. Is this going to be the right thing? And I kind of got closure on the past and closure about my anxieties for the future through ad- the big thing was through adoration. So not only is that part of our relationship with Christ, but all like receiving him, but spending time with him in adoration because the questions that we need answered in order to figure out who we are and what he wants us to do with our life, the, that's one of the, that's probably the best way you're going to be able to find it out. So that, and then the final thing I just want to say that wrap the whole thing up uh, was you said something about pro-life and pro-choice and I I um I thought it was interesting because if you really think about it, uh, when God came, or sorry, when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said you're gonna have Jesus, and that was a choice. That's a she gave her yes. That's a choice. We have to give. I'm gonna the whole thing. I'll circle back now. We have to give our yes every day to Him. Like it's not receiving the Eucharist isn't like like a pill. You know what I mean? It's not like a prescription where you take it and you're better now. You know what I mean? Or you feel better. Or, you know, now I'm going to finally do work. It's not like that. It's, I mean, who was Mother Teresa, right? Who had a spiritual drought for however long in her life. Think about it. How much did she receive the Eucharist in that time? She didn't feel anything, like, in that sense. And still lived the life that she lived. So I think that it's not about the feeling that everyone chases, like, that high. It's not supposed to be about that. It's supposed to be, who am I when, like, the nobody's in the room, the lights are off, and all I have is me and, me and God, me and Jesus. 
And am I going to receive him? Am I going to do what he tells me to do? Or am I going to give in to whatever temptations I have? And that's where we have to answer the pro-life, pro-choice question is the only choice should be, yes, life, anything along those lines. So it's like even though there is a choice, that even should, shouldn't even be an option. It should just be, yes, this is what I'm going to do. There's no doubt in my mind. It's unanimous. Yep, God, I'm putting everything I have. All the, all the cards are on the table. Everything's pushed in. It's all you. Please. And nobody's nobody's ever going to do that. And that's the sad – that's like the – the hard part that we have to like get over is that no one's ever going to say yes. You can say yes to everything, but there's always going to be some time where you give in and you mess up. And that's why we have confession and that's why we're human, which is another way. Even though the Eucharist isn't there, it's another way to get your soul going in the right direction. But without the Eucharist, you don't even get that opportunity because your soul's already not going in the right direction. So it's going to keep escalating down and down and down. It's a slippery slope. It just keeps going farther and farther down. And the more you don't receive it, the less of a chance you have to get back up and go in the right direction. So that's all I wanted to say, adding on to what you were saying and what I was thinking. But That's amazing. I just want to remind all our listeners from all over the world that um, how old are you? Yeah. And how old are you? 18 and 20, these people are talking. Like, I didn't. I love these two. I love these two. Killing it. 20 years old and 18 years old talking this way. I mean, I didn't didn't know any of that till like I was 48, probably. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) But I think what was interesting about Monica, what you were saying, um, the couple of things struck me. One was the importance of the cross, meaning the importance of your disease that you had in order to shake you of your dependence on the world, right? Because otherwise you're, you know, you think, oh, I'm this bubbly young go-getter and I'm just going to fix everything and I'm going to do everything. But you had to be like, almost like Jonah, you had to be eaten by the whale and say, no, 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 you're not going that way. You're going to go this other way. Then you're spit in a different direction and a much more fruitful direction but it's hard to see that when the pain is happening right you're just like why is this happening but your but your testimony was so powerful and the other thing about the pro-life movement and the eucharist that i think is interesting is that i mean the the eucharist is the body of christ and if you go to the abortion clinic what you see is that the one thing the devil hates the most is incarnation is life itself so that's why the devil loves the abortion clinic because that's he's able to like through his lies convince these people to kill their children and right and what what could be the most opposite of life than this you know of the eucharist of 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 incarnation than this um this mass killing that that goes on but anyway amazing testament i'm like blown away it was really really powerful so i will uh give it back to you i know we have to wrap up here in a few minutes um but monica if you have some things to add we definitely want to hear more wisdom coming from monica and Fidi. um i just want to say that it's not our prayer that helps our relationship with god our prayer is our relationship with god so a lot of times people are like, oh, yeah, I prayed today, like, feeling great. Like, I don't know. I was like, God was really speaking to me. I was like, God speaks to us all the time. Like, we just have to be willing to give him our time. 
And I think a lot of people today have a very hard time with time management and procrastination, but it's because they actually struggle with priority management. We make time for things that matter. We make time for the show that comes on and like to make sure that we watch every series in whatever. I don't know. I don't have Netflix, but you know what I mean? Like we make time to make sure that we watch the Eagles every Sunday. We make time for things that matter. We don't make what matters have time. And it's it's really um, evident if you were just walking by, if somebody was just like looking at your day and they could see if you were actually pro-life, if you were actually Catholic, anyone can say that they're pro-life, but not everyone can, can be, be life for other people. And, um, I thought it was really powerful when you were saying about the cross. Um, and a lot of times we don't want to accept the crosses in our life, but it's really like we are the ones who should have been on the cross we should have been the one to die. And when Christ came and we were the adulterous woman and he could have thro- thrown the stone at us, but he chose not to. And he was merciful. And he said, okay, whoever is not sin can throw the stone. But really, he should have thrown the stone, but he, s- he loved us so much. And I think it's in the crosses where I, where I really just know his love even more because I know that he wants to just encounter me so much closer um and i think that if you want to really find beauty in your life it's in it's in the unity that you have with christ becoming beautiful is when you allow christ to place his hand on your heart and let him heal you in those places that you don't want to bring to the light it's being vulnerable with him so that you can actually see where you need healing and mercy. And then from those places, he just pours his flowing water and light just comes from that. And when people see people who are healed, that's what changes the world. The, um, there's a quote that says, the person who rocks the cradle rocks the world. And we need women who are healed to rock the cradle so that they can bring, bring forth healed um, people and healed generations. Huge amen. <laughs> Huge amen. Petey, did you have anything that you wanted to add to that? Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. I'm blanking now. Just t- oh, oh, got j- you got it? All right. Oh, sorry. Um, it was going back on the right in the beginning. That's why when she, the prayer is kind of almost like a chore, as people think as, you know, well, I prayed today, so I'm good for the week. Or yeah, I, same thing. I showed up to Mass today, got my medicine good for the week until I'll see you next week father and it's like that's not at all what it is if you had a friend who you saw what you considered a best friend you know like it's part of your identity I'm Catholic if you have a best friend who you saw once a week showed up for 45 minutes to an hour got something to eat with them didn't didn't pay attention to them at all just kind of sat there and were there but mentally absolutely checked out and spiritually checked out is that your friend no you wouldn't consider that your friend at all you would just say, oh, this is my friend, so you have it as a part of you. And that's not what it is at all. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. It's I'm praying because I want to talk to you and I want to listen to what you have to say. And that's the other thing that people are like, well, God's not giving me anything. I pray, but I'm not getting any answer. And it's like, you're just not listening. You're e- like, your ears are open, but your soul's not open. So it's like, 
you know, it's kind of, I like, I don't want to sound me when I say it, but it's very, as complex as it is, it's very cut and dry. You know what I mean? It's are like, are you doing this, 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 and this? If one of those aren't in, then you're not doing it. You're not trying. You're not giving everything you have. Cause I don't, I don't think what, cause I, we all do this, but I don't think a lot of people realize that it's the, like, think about how long eternity is. It doesn't end at all. We could die, drop dead on the spot right now. What did we do in our time to prove that we belong? Because the truth is, none of us belong. We'll never do what Jesus did, ever. It's going to be really hard to top that. So what are we going to do when we get to those gates and when we have to face God? What's like? What are we? What's our reasoning for why he should open the door and let us in? And if you're not taking every... And we, I'm not going to stand on my high horse and say that I do it because I don't, but what are we doing that proves to him that we belong in there and the truth is is we're all not doing everything that we should be every second of the day that we're awake to prove that so we're not even i mean it's we're lucky that we get to receive the eucharist on sunday honestly how many of us have a good week where we're right all seven days we're not it's just not it, it realistically it's probably not going to happen but are we at least get putting all the effort we have 110 percent and every second we get. And I think that's where a lot of people aren't even thinking about that. So they're just thinking, oh, I'm going to pray the rosary right now. Or I'm going to, you know, pray on the way to work. Or I'm going to, you know, pray on the way to school. Or I'm just going to, like, you know, just let, let God know that I'm there. That, like, oh, I'm here if you want to. Or I'm going to pray because things aren't going well right now. Or I'm going to pray because I have something big coming up. I want, like, some luck for it. And that's not what this is at all. It's not It's not taking a chance on anything. It's I love you. It's like I said. That's what I said already. But I love you. You love me. This is the relationship we have, relationship, and I want to do everything I can to prove that what you did for me was worth it, and I'm going to show the entire world that I, that if I were there back then, I would have died for you too. You know what I mean? I'm going to live my life like you're with me right now because you are. You know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't pretend that Jesus is in the room with us at all times. You know. That's true. The WWJD thing, what would Jesus do? That should be our kind of our mindset all the time. And it's it, honestly, it shouldn't even be like, what would Jesus do? It should be Jesus right next to us. Are we going to do this in front of him? You know what I mean? There are things that you would do, like, you know, when nobody's watching, there's things you would do when nobody's watching. So it's, it's oh, I'm sorry, when nobody's watching and when your parents are watching or somebody who's like, you know, kind of authoritative. Well, Jesus is the ultimate authority. So what are we going to do when he's with us because he's always with us and that kind of goes back to tie it into the eucharist thing is the more we receive him physically like through the uh, the more our spirit gets him and the more we're likely to follow him so sorry that's what the big that prayer thing made me think of i didn't mean to go off on like a tangent but i just brought the thought into my head no it's beautiful you guys are hitting on the presence and i think the main thing if, if it's okay is and andrew i'm sure i'm probably taking the words out of your mouth but the main thing you guys hit on was relationship not rules this isn't about rules this isn't about what well, you guys described it perfectly and um if it's okay because i know uh, i know you have to hop also monica but um father mike schmidt said if it became illegal to become a catholic this is what you two were just describing this is like the fruits of the holy spirit in the two of you he said if it became illegal to become a catholic if if it became illegal to be a disciple of jesus and you were brought into court would there be enough evidence to convict you 
That's pretty much what you two were just describing is whether you're actually going to make him an integral part of your life each day and actually live it out. And you guys described it perfectly. And where do we get that? Monica, it was so perfect for you to say that it's through suffering. Padre Pio said that. That's how much fruit is bearing in the two of you. Padre Pio said, blessed is the crisis that made you grow, the fall that made you gaze up to heaven, the problem that made you look for God. Most of us are viewing our crisis or our crosses as something that we want to reject and we're upset or angry about. How about viewing them as our opportunity for a more abundant life, as you were describing before, but that only comes, like you said, Monica, through the surrender, where he then brings us into that fullness of life with him. You, t- I'm like, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm amazed by you two. Uh, go ahead, Monica. The, thank you. I mean, this is also like, this is possible for everyone. It's like you say, like, you're amazed at us, but like, no, like everyone is called to this relationship. Um, I think JP2 said, we are called to live with an abundance of eros. Like, he has an abundance of love for us. And it's not about um, the ethics. It's also about the eros, the love. And the love is what keeps you bounded together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you I know you're talking my language. <laughs> <laughs> JP2 and some oh, theology of the body, you're talking yeah. my language. Eros. He's the best. I just can't wait to meet him one day and like become his best friend like I just can't wait anyway um I just wanted to also add that um if we try to do this on our own we will fail as I've failed um but if we do this on on God's terms and in God's timing we won't fail and um the sacred heart lives inside of the immaculate heart. And if we're doing it with Mary, then we are in really, really good hands. So I just wanted to um, encourage on the day of the um, presentation of Mary in the temple to encourage all of our listeners to grow closer to her because she has been um, just like the, the star that I follow when the, the sea is rough um and it's okay to be scared to give Christ all your pieces but i promise that he puts them back together more beautifully than you could imagine he sure does and as i'm watching uh you monica and andrew holding your rosaries in your hand she is what leads us closer to our son her son and if it's okay if i wrap up with john 653 since this was about the eucharist Um, For those of us who believe in the scripture and it being the, the word of God, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And that's exactly what you had said and quoted earlier, Monica. And it's a beautiful way for us to end this. Read John 6. Our Lord and Savior says it about 12 times in John 6 that we need to eat his flesh and drink his blood because if not, we will not have life within us. And that was not an easy teaching for them because in John 6, 6, 6, that is when this teaching was too difficult for some of the disciples and they turned their backs on God and they walked away. So it's okay. We'll wrap up with a quick prayer. Let's do it. 
the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, thank you so much for this time together. Um, we appreciate this so much. And Monica and Petey, thank you so much for being with us and for sharing all these fruits and these gifts of the Holy Spirit. We would just um, ask God to help us all to continue to grow uh, closer to him. Our Lady of Fatima. St. Paul, John Paul II. Pray for us. St. Maria Goretti. Pray for us. And St. Raphael. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.